0: Now, this is a case that I've been looking into for more than two years now, since before the podcast got started. It's confusing and disturbing. And it involves a young, beautiful college student from Wisconsin on vacation in Northern California, who just one day up and vanished after a phone call with her mother.
1: She was gone. I never, ever felt her presence again, ever. Never felt anything from her. And I knew right then and there something to really bad it happened to her.
0: That's Anita Walters, mother of Christine Walters.
1: She was so loving and so compassionate that this world this lost one of its greatest little humans,
0: you know? Like most families with missing loved ones, this is difficult to talk about.
1: Talking with people to continue trying to put this story out there and find any kind of reasoning or answers is just... It's painful, and I just don't want to do it anymore.
0: She hopes someone out there is listening and can finally give her answers.
1: I would say, my gosh, if you knew, just say something. I don't care if you have to write it on a piece of paper, but say something so that at least I I can put it to rest.
0: Before we dive into the case, I want to remind you that this is for mature audiences and still might not be for everyone. After the episode, I have a shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. It's a way for you to be a part of the podcast. And reviews like that really help independent podcasts like this get noticed. More on that after the case. The disappearance of Christine Walters. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the social distancing studios in Las Vegas, Nevada... To your earholes. This is True Crime Deadline, a podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, your host, a man who sings "Happy Birthday" twice when washing his hands, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. Investigators, thank you for joining me for episode thirty-four, Mystery: The Disappearance of Christine Walters which takes us to the area of Eureka, California. It's a town of only 14 square miles with 27,000 people. Eureka and nearby Arcata are located in the pristine coast surrounded by beautiful lush green redwood forests in the heart of Humboldt County. Located halfway between Portland, Oregon and San Francisco, the area was a major trading post in the early years of America and the gold rush. But perhaps the biggest gold rush there was actually timber. The trees in Eureka are said to have built several historic landmarks, huge Victorian mansions up and down the coast, and most of all, San Francisco. Now, when you think about San Francisco and North Portland and the architecture in those areas, that's what it looks like here on a smaller scale in Eureka and Arcata. And the area also has a reputation for those who are free spirits people who want to be close to nature, live off the land, grow, fish, and meditate. There's also a dark side, an underbelly to the fern-covered forest, as highlighted in the documentary Murder Mountain, which we'll talk about. This is a place of several strange disappearances, including the Humboldt Five, which includes Christine Walters. Christine was just 23 in 2008, when the young college junior decided to take a break from school in Wisconsin and head out west to Portland, Oregon to visit some friends.
2: I really appreciate your time and talking to me. I, I'm sorry it's under these circumstances.
1: Yeah, it's OK. Hey, I I had said that I was never going to do another one of these because, you know, there's really no reason to anymore. I, <laughs> You know, and it just, what it does is just stirs up emotions that I've been trying to suppress. And, um, so I guess we'll just wait and see how this goes. Yeah. This is going to be my last, this will be the last time I do this. And I guess I feel guilty if I say no. You
2: know? Yeah. I mean, you've done a lot of work. Um, I've seen videos of you passing out flyers and, and holding, you know, get togethers. Were they search parties or how did you even know what to do?
1: I didn't, um, it was all other, other people would contact me because yeah, I was, I was obviously new to something like this. And a friend of mine actually put me in touch or put a, uh, uh a person in touch with me because they wanted to do a story through, um, oh, I can't even think of the, the, uh, TV show they wanted to run it on. And so they called us and blew us out there and, We did a lot of searching out there and just talking to different people. But because there was no outcome to the story, they didn't hear it, which was kind of sad after all that effort. And uh, one of the California advocates, Brenda Condon, um, she started a page for Christine. And that page, I don't know how many millions of hits we had on there. I shouldn't say hits, follows, but a lot of people had said that they thought they'd seen her, you know, and, and it always was, um, wasn't was uh, her. So, I mean, I appreciated that because it really kept her story alive and there's still every now and then there'll be something, but, it, you know, for, for years it went on. So, I was
2: grateful for that, but nothing ever, ever came of that. Tell me about her um, and what was going on in 2008 So she's in college uh, was she still living at home? what's going on no, in her she, life?
1: She was actually living up in Stevens Point and you know going with her um, sophomore year at the university and uh, we had just got her set up in an apartment. Laura was actually a house with other other uh, students and she was so excited. That uh, she was going to be living there, and she liked her roommates, and she was just, uh, she just loved studying, you know. She uh, had ideas that she wanted to follow through with, and, and we were very close. I have to say, we were so close. We spent so much time together,
2: you know. And she was so smart, or is so smart. She was, she's studying botany. Like, <laughs> that, that isn't the first thing that comes to mind when I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a major. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and horticulture, all all that you know, and she wanted to help build uh, ecosystems. She was just she was just a uh, and she studied, pot uh, Pilates and yoga. She was so into her body and into health. And then when she decided to take her break and go up to Oregon to visit a friend. That was the end of it. I think she lost her focus on what her journey really was and what she wanted to do. It's
2: yeah, incredible. why did she decide to go to Portland? And Ironically, was, I just I, moved, I lived up there for a couple of years when I was working for ABC News, so I'm okay. kind of familiar with the area. That's beautiful,
1: apparently. I've had them there, but she sent me pictures. Um, there's a fall, Muhan Falls or something. probably know of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she just loved that area. And then the people out there... We're a little different than back here. The culture was a little different, I want to say. Um, she, her, her, um, her attention just went from doing what she was doing to like, oh, I'm just going to be free and I'm going to just travel around and I'm going to live almost like a gypsy. And that wasn't her. That, that wasn't her. The way she was getting all these ideas from, you know, was just the people that she started hanging with out there.
2: But during the time, she was still calling you regularly, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, actually, she'd call me when I wasn't feeling good. We were that connected. I knew when she was having some problems or wasn't feeling good, I would call her, and sure enough, something was going on. One day, I had hurt my arm, and I could barely lift it, and she called me up. She said, oh, is everything okay? I feel like something's going on with you. You know, so we would feel that energy. Wow, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's why i yeah when I've got something to tell you that that's why I just um I'll wait a little bit into the conversation though
0: the more time Christine was away, the fewer phone calls family and friends received back home in Wisconsin. She wasn't working regular jobs and often asked Mom and Dad to wire her money. Christine started hanging out with a new crowd. they were spiritual, she said environmental advocates, and living an alternative lifestyle. Eventually, Christine lost track of her goals to graduate college and decided to follow her friends to Arcata, a small town outside Eureka.
2: Then she decides to go to Eureka, right? So she leaves Portland and she goes down to California. Is that right? Right,
1: Arcata, that's where she went to was Arcata. And it's a beautiful little town. I loved it out there. Um, but she got mixed up with, again, you know, people that just were really laid back and thought, I think she maybe was, I don't even know anymore, but I think she was looking for like just the, the easiest possible way in life. And people had convinced her that education was just, um, you know, not necessary. You didn't need that. And so yeah. Yeah.
2: So And so she know. decides that she's not gonna go back to college? Is that what No what's going No on? and
1: her, No, her dad and I was devastated that uh as she was giving that up. She had a year left. Why would you why would you give that up? Your right, dreams and she had the apartment
2: gonna... and everything that you had set up for her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh huh. Yeah. I mean all of her dreams are just like she just dropped them all. She had intentions of going out east to this really cool yoga retreat, and there was one in Costa Rica she wanted to study with this yoga, um, what do you want to call him? Um,
2: like a guru or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, she wanted to do that, and, you know, I was going to help her out with that, or her dad and I was going to help her out see so that she could take those retreats. Because it always, it always bettered her as a person, I felt. You know, she became stronger and more connected with things. So she decided to give all that up. It's like, wow. And she got into into things she shouldn't have gotten into out there as well.
0: On November 12, 2008, Christine Lindsay Walters was found naked, confused, frightened, covered in scratches, and on a stranger's doorstep in Arcata. She wouldn't say what happened, but she kept saying over and over again that someone was after her. The homeowner called police right away and she was taken to a nearby hospital. She tested negative for drugs in her system and they couldn't hold her. So they dropped her off at a nearby Red Lion Inn Hotel where she called her mother, Anita. Christine wanted to come back home, she said. She couldn't find her backpack or her wallet or ID. She had no money, so she couldn't board a plane. So Anita made arrangements to fax a copy of her ID to a copy center. On November 14, 2008, Christine picked up those documents that her mother sent. The clerk would later tell police she seemed nervous and paranoid. She took the papers right away. She bunched them up and put them in her pocket. She didn't want anyone to see. When Christine walked out that door, that was the last time anyone has reported seeing her. She was reported missing on November 17, 2008.
2: So tell me about you know what led to the disappearance of your daughter. So something happened on November 12th. What did we know about that?
1: Well, you know, the uh, ayahuasca tea party, I think was just, I don't think that maybe anymore as, as I looked at things that she was doing, because I found out that uh, like a, a few weeks, a month before that, she called me like two o'clock in the morning, and I could tell by how she was acting that she was she was on something. She was tripping, and um, when I brought it up, she goes, "Yeah." She says, "But if you're gonna if you're gonna make a fuss about it or lecture me, I'm not going to be able to call you up anymore and talk to you." I like, "Okay." I quickly changed that conversation around, and then um, what was I going with this? Oh yeah, then she started. Um, what the hell was it? Uh, harvesting marijuana. And I had no idea she was doing that. I I think maybe she was old money or so I don't know. I can't say. I shouldn't say because I don't know. But there were just so many goofy things after that. And then that tea party happened.
0: It was after Christine disappeared that her backpack, money, and ID were all found at a spiritual center in Arcata, near the Arcata Community Forest. A private detective that was hired by the family, discovered Christine had taken part in a tea ceremony right before she was found naked and confused. Those ceremonies are often illegal in the United States and usually involve illegal drugs that cause hallucinations, some vomiting, and even diarrhea. And those symptoms can last for up to 10 hours, according to the research that I did. Now, the drugs can also trigger episodes, episodes of depression or mania. But it's unclear if this is what led to Christine's disappearance.
2: Was she working for uh, a pot farm at that time? Hello?
0: Right in the middle of mid-sentence of Anita Walters opening up about her daughter and her daughter's disappearance, right after she tells me that she's done with interviews altogether, of course, the phone cuts out. I call her back. Is she going to pick up? She does.
2: That was weird. Sorry about that. Unfortunately, we were in the part of November 12th. You were saying something about she was cultivating pot or something like that. And so was she working for one of those big pot farms up there in Northern California?
1: I wouldn't say yes. I didn't personally know. It was just someone out there, apparently, that knew she was and told us this. So that's hearsay, but I wouldn't doubt it. Let's put it that way. I mean, and you're told that you can make some easy money, good money, and maybe that's what she did. And maybe, who knows? Maybe that's what led up to her disappearance as well. You know, I don't want—I don't. I'm sure it's not Murder Mountain, but you know, I watched that uh, documentary, and maybe it was another big pot farmer. Maybe, maybe they just didn't want to pay her the money that was owed. You know, and that's happened
2: so many times. Yeah, I was and going to I'm ask sorry. you about that document. I was going to wait and and tell the story first, but I wanted to ask you about that, if you had seen those and, and what your thoughts were in when sometimes people um, put your daughter's case with the other missing women, if you think that they're all connected, like people have made connections.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's just, you know, it, it's a good way to catch the eye of people. When they're looking at things, oh, my gosh, all these girls are connected. You know, we got to really check this out. I, 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 I'm not sure. I Sometimes I don't see any, any um, connection, and, but then what do I know? I mean, really, I don't.
2: You well, you hired say. a private investigator, as far as I know, and what were they able to tell you about what led up to her disappearance? What are, what's the timeline? What do we know?
1: I don't know anymore, you know, I, and they never did either. They were always just trying to put pieces together. They didn't really know, I, and I hate to say that, but they didn't. They they were just grasping at straws, trying to take this piece and that piece. Um, they don't know any more than I do right now. So when they tried to put a timeline together, I, I don't know if I believed any of it. So is it true all?
2: that she was... At someone's doorstep, but like, do we know that much? Was No, yes, yeah,
1: that... that much. That's true. That much is true. Um, her running all night, they're not sure if that was because the distance from Arcata to Eureka, they didn't think she could do that. But she was barefoot. Her feet were all um, marred up, you know, and they hurt because when I talked to her, she wanted me to take her to a doctor. I mean, when I talked to her, she wanted me out there, she wanted me to come out right away like right now and it's like well even if i could drive out there it was gonna take me a few days to drive to california Mm -hmm. and uh you know my flight i couldn't get a flight right away i told her i would and i did i went and got tickets our ticket she was just really really uh
2: scared and upset about so many things and And she didn't uh, have her id from what i understand
0: so she 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 called you
2: and she says i want to come home i can't get on an on an airplane And then you made arrangements, uh, and you sent her copies of an ID, right?
1: Yes, but only after um, I called her the next morning. My husband was taking me to the airport, and I called her to let her know I was going to be on my way to reassure her. And when she answered the phone and realized I was coming out, she was furious with me. She said, your your presence is not welcome here. I am a big girl. I can take care of myself. And if I was to come out there, she she wasn't going to be there. So... I, I I guess I just lost it at that point. I just felt like I'd lost my daughter, and instead of doing what I should have done, which God, God, I can't, I can't.
2: I don't think that there was any right thing to do. I don't. I don't know if there was. There's no manual for when something like this is happening.
1: I can't get the words out right now. I'm sorry. I should have got, should have kept my plans. I should have went out there regardless. I should have realized it. I should have realized she she needed me and she just threw me off guard and, and she told me she didn't want me out there she was a big girl that so could take care of herself. I actually believed it. So I guess we would I was just as naive as my daughter. So I didn't and uh, when I realized that she she did get stuff in the coffee machine, the her uh, identification and stuff. From the coffee center, I mean. And uh, she disappeared after that. She just, there was nothing. And as I'm sitting in the bedroom that evening later on, and this is why I'm done with any more searching for her, any more, anything at all, because it was at that point. And I told you how connected we were with our energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I could feel like this ball of energy. Going around in my stomach, I could just feel it. And then all of a sudden, I felt a whoosh, like it just left my body. It was done. She was gone. I never ever felt her presence again. Ever. Never felt anything from her. And I knew right then and there something really bad had happened to her. I said no amount. And the only reason I ever continued trying to do anything is because everybody said, "Oh, you have to. You have to hang on to hope." Well, you know, I tried. But in my mind, I knew darn well she was never going to be found again. She, she's dead. She's dead and gone. And to continue talking with people, to continue trying to put this story out there and find any kind of reasoning or answers, it's just it's painful. And I just don't want to do it anymore. Because she is gone. And I. I and I just I just need to I just need to continue my life without having these roadblocks put in and then it's gonna take me forever to get my feelings calmed down again. And that's the honest against truth. I can't do this.
2: I'm sorry. Do you talk to her? Oh
1: yeah. I I do hoping that she can hear me, that she her spirit can hear me, but I never feel anything anything. So
2: then what's your what do you want to say to someone that could finally have information that led to an answer? Like, what happened to her, where she is? Like, what What do you say to that I,
1: I would say, my gosh, if you knew, just say something. I don't care if you have to write it on a piece of paper, but say something so that at least I, I can put it to rest. Even though I'm trying to put it to rest, but I really, really want to put it to rest. I want to know that she is truly gone, you know, and I guess, you know, it doesn't even matter anymore. They're not going to do it. Someone that knows anything at this point, they're not going to say anything and they probably wouldn't even hear my message because it's probably, they're not going to hear my message. That's all I know. You know, I'm sorry. I can't be more of a, more positive about this conversation.
2: No, I understand. I've never been in your shoes and, and I, and I don't ever pretend to be. And, you know, I, all I know is when I first started to research cases for this podcast that has been going on for two years and I ran across your daughter's story and, you know, I have her picture up, um, in my office and I've always kind of wanted to talk to you and, and share the story. And I, I'm sorry that it's painful and and I won't, you know, keep you any longer. But I just, I just wanted to reach out to you, and that's all. And I'm sorry I can't give you a hug.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs>
1: I just wish you knew that she was the most joyful person. She was so loving and so compassionate that this world has this lost this, one of its greatest little humans. You know, and she she had a lot to offer when it came to goodness. And,
2: and, and it sounds so like you do too. It sounds like you know you guys were connected because you both share that. We do, we do, yeah. So and, I mean, um, it's really hard,
1: even looking out the window right now. I see all these little butterflies floating around. It's like, oh, well, and all the flowers. And she would just be out there in her glory right now. She loved nature so much. I'm sorry. I'm done. Okay. I know.
2: I know. Um, yeah. ha- I, I I wish you well. I, I hope that you have, you're able to recover from this quickly.
1: Well, it's nice. In one way, it's nice knowing that someone still cares to want to hear or find out or, or try to help, whatever. You know, it, it's, um,
2: it's wonderful. Because, well, yeah. You know, when I tell the stories, I really like to share about like what the person was like or is like, you know, and what was going on, you know, not just, what we know of bad situation that they found themselves in. So you've, you've really helped with that and, and um, God bless you. Okay. All
1: right. Thank you.
0: Now, of course, I'll continue to follow the case and keep you posted investigators. Christine Lindsay Walters is 35 years old. She is described as five two, one hundred 100 to 115 pounds Caucasian with strawberry blonde hair and big blue eyes. Her ears and nose have been pierced, and she has a black butterfly tattoo on her hip and a big purple and green iris flower tattooed on her neck. As usual, I'll post photos of Christine on my website, truecrimedeadline.com, my new YouTube channel, and social media accounts under the same name. Maybe you can also share her pictures. And if you have any information in the disappearance of Christine Walters, please call the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office at 707 445 7251 investigators until next time thank you for investigating true crime deadline with matt johnson for more information about the podcast visit truecrimedeadline.com and remember all tips regarding a case should go to the police until next time mr gatsby want a cookie <laughs> The boy. Now a post-episode shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Again, writing reviews really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. We're up against networks, studios, TV channels nowadays. You name it. It's easy. It's free. Hit five stars. Subscribe. Tell a friend. Write a review and include your real name and your podcast name if you're a podcaster, because I want to give you a proper shout out. And speaking of shout outs, the first one goes to Girl Techie, who writes compassionate reporting. I love Matt's professionalism and the fact that he always covers the human element. His empathy and compassion for others is very apparent. Congrats on the Emmy win last year. Well deserved. Um, I have to say thank you very much. Um, that's the place where I'm coming from with all of this, and doing this podcast is a good place to hopefully share these stories of missing and unsolved cases, and to uplift the survivors uh, when they share their stories. To hopefully impact others that are going through um, tough times, and to show how they were able to take a terrible situation and and help others. So thank you for noticing that. So the other review comes from Sam, who writes, "Such a great podcast. I love the perspective from a reporter." I highly recommend this podcast. Short, to the point, simple, and I love it. Thank you. Investigators, until next time.